The Healthy Golf Podcast, episode 52, with your host, Joe Orbicheski. Welcome to the Healthy Golf Podcast, a podcast designed to help you transform your golf game and your life. Join your host, Dr. Joe O, as he chats with experts on all things golf performance to keep you feeling great and playing your best on and off the course. Hello, healthy golfers, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Golf Podcast. This week will just be a solo episode with myself. And on this week's episode, I wanted to talk about consistency. I'm sure most of us know that consistency is very important when it comes to reaching and achieving all of our goals, let alone how it how important it is to be consistent when out on the golf course. But today I wanted to talk about consistency because first and foremost, this is episode 52 of the Healthy Golf Podcast, not a very significant episode, but I have pretty much put out an episode weekly and for the past year. That's pretty much what that means, right? There's 52 weeks in a year, and I just wanted to talk about that because it brought up how important being consistent is. Mainly, I'm, I can look at some podcast stats, and I can see kind of subscribers over time, downloads, all those kinds of things, right? And so when I look back to when the first episode was released, which technically is not a year, it was May 25th of last year, and at that time, I only had five subscribers, okay? Obviously, again, it just came out, was brand new, it wasn't very much. But let's go to, by episode six, yep, episode six, I had 27 subscribers, which again is not a lot. And let me be clear here, I'm not trying to be, you know, make podcast history or have the most subscribers in the world or even get to, say, Joe Rogan status here. I am trying to continue to grow the podcast That way I can just really help more and more people become the healthiest versions of themselves. And if that helps them become better at golf while doing that, uh, my goal has been achieved really. Uh, But with that being said, I'm looking at this chart. I know you cannot see this chart, but it pretty much starts off very low at first, right? I don't have many followers. And then over time, it kind of goes up and down, up and down, up and down. And then there was a big steady increase And then again, there was a big decrease at some point and I was, you know, kind of got a little upset with that, but it's okay. I I tried not uh, tie myself to those kinds of things. And then over time, it just continued to grow and increase, which again, I'm super grateful for every single one of you that listened to this show and download and subscribe, all of those things. Again, I'm so thankful and to the point now where I'm pretty much consistently or where we're consistently at uh, anywhere between like 150 to 200 subscribers right now. Uh, First of all, just blows my mind. Again, thank you so much. And it's, I never would have thought that I would consistently have 150 to 200 people subscribe to this podcast when I first started it. Uh, Again, my goal was just to help you become a healthier version of yourself and get better at golf all at the same time and provide you with knowledge, especially not from myself, but from other people in the golf industry to help you do that. And not only am I trying to help you live a healthier life on the course, but again, off the course and just trying to help you achieve peak performance because I feel like 
most people who are listening to this always want to achieve a little bit more out of their life and they feel that there is no really end point in achieving performance. There's always, there's always room for improvement. At least that's how I feel. And I'm, I'm assuming that's how most of uh, anyone who's listening to this feels as well. So I wanted to talk about consistency again, because we know that's important. And when I'm looking at my stats here for the podcast, again, not that that matters, but that's what spurred this episode is that I could have given up really early, right? I, I mean, I could have given up when things just weren't seeming to get better or when there's a big dip in subscribers or downloads, all of those things. But consistently putting out an episode every single week has resulted where we're at right now. And I'm continuing to plan on putting out weekly episodes until, unbeknownst to me, I have no idea when I plan on stopping. Um, But for right now, it's just going to keep going and going. Um, We'll see how that goes and progresses over time. But I don't plan on stopping any time, and it'll be interesting to see one more year from now where I'll, I will be, and maybe that could be something that maybe I can remember uh, one year from now when I do another podcast episode, and we can talk about and see where we are in terms of analytics there. Again, not that most of that matters to you, but I wanted to get into consistency again because we all know that that's very important, again, not only on the golf course, but when we're trying to achieve our goals, and most of us I'm pretty sure that we all have goals that we're trying to achieve, whether that's goals for the golf course, you know, to lower our handicap or to not make any three putts or to hit more greens in regulation or to even take that to a fitness thing, whether that's getting stronger in a specific lift or uh, losing some weight or putting on some weight, whatever your goals may be, you have goals and they're specific to you and what you want. And being consistent in actions to get to those goals is what's going to get you there. And what I really wanted to talk about today is to talk about some things that I have found to be helpful in helping myself stay consistent um, in achieving goals, whatever that may be, whether that's in fitness, golf. Um, Right now, a lot of my goals are more business related, Um, but you can take these concepts and principles and apply them to anything in your life, especially when you're trying to achieve any goal. Um, One thing that I have found that is really, really helpful for myself is getting an accountability partner. And this can be taken lots of ways. I have a few accountability partners for business. Um, They're not coaches. Uh, They are, we help each other out and give each other ideas and give each other feedback And we're all in various parts of our business journey, which, you know, at times it may seem like we are coaching one another and I'm super grateful for them. Um, One is James. I don't know if he listens to this podcast. He was actually episode seven, I believe. Uh, James Ashcroft, if you want to go ahead and listen to that, his episodes about low back pain is a great episode. Uh, Go ahead and listen to that. The other two right now are Nate and Shannon. And, you know, we basically, we're not all together. Nate and Shannon, we do calls together. And then James and I do a call separately. And basically we chat what have every couple of weeks, basically. And we usually try to give each other goals or tasks to do that will push us further towards, again, our goals, whatever they may be. And, 
I think it's really helpful to know that I'm going to have to get on a phone call in two weeks with these folks and I'm going to have to let them know if I did my stuff or I didn't do my stuff. Um, and that's a big thing. And, and, you know, they're there to help keep me accountable and it's more so not them maybe ragging on me, although we don't really do that. If we don't hit those things, we kind of talk about why, what happened, what didn't go so well, why didn't we do those things, right? To maybe help figure some of that out. Uh, but what is, I think, more motivating is that I have to tell them that I didn't do those things, at least for me. And if I didn't do those things, I feel like I'm letting myself down, but also letting them down because, you know, they're taking the time out of their day and their lives to get on the phone and talk with me and, and help each other out. And if I'm not holding up my end of the bargain, it may not be worth it for them to continue to do this. So I think it's really helpful to have an accountability partner. One really common one in terms of, say, when it's coming to work out, you know, you get a workout partner. You go to the gym every every day or whatever schedule you decide to set for yourselves. And if you show up to the gym and they're not there, you know that you're probably going to be upset and vice versa. If you don't show up to the gym and they're there waiting for you and you don't end up showing up, you know that they're probably going to be a little pissed that, you know, they had to work out by themselves when, again, you two had this agreement and, you know, you're not holding up your end of the bargain. So I really think having an accountability partner can be really helpful. Now, this doesn't, like I said, this doesn't have to be paid. It could be a friend, it could be a colleague, something along those lines. A lot of times, though, people end up paying for this basically through coaching. I do this with my clients, and I try to help keep them accountable. Basically, I check in with them regularly during the week. I you know, send them messages throughout the week to make sure that they're doing well, give them weekly performance tips just things to keep them engaged and to keep them motivated towards their goals. And then we have calls on a monthly basis or biweekly basis, depending on what they want to to keep them accountable. I find that it's really easy a lot of times, especially when it comes to fitness, to just fall off that wagon. Again, that's where having a coach or an accountability partner can really come in handy. Now, if you're really good about taking care of your stuff, you know, maybe you can get away with not paying for an accountability partner and have your friends do that for you, right? But a lot of times, you know, paying for a coach or someone like that to keep you accountable will really be helpful because now you're paying money, right? And you don't want to waste your money. So making sure that you're staying accountable to your goals and that you're staying accountable to yourself and your coach will help you get to your goals as well. So that's one thing that has really helped me stay consistent and trying to reach my goals. Now, and don't get me wrong, I am not 100% perfect at all when it comes to being consistent. I try my best, but I am human just like every one of you. And there are times when I don't feel like doing things and I don't do them. And you can see the results that come from that or the progress that's not being made. And Speaking of just doing things when I don't feel like doing them, that's sort of the next takeaway or key is to just do things even when you don't feel like doing them. And this can get really hard and tough because it can be really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of negative, especially when you're not seeing results. So again, for me, 
a lot of times, at least in business, some of the stuff that I'm doing doesn't always result in a positive thing right away. It's just that slow building that will eventually hopefully topple over. Same thing happens with with weight loss or muscle gain or strength gains. You're not going to go to the gym one day and work out and lose 20 pounds, right? You may not even lose one pound, but that's having that realistic expectation and knowing that you have to do the things to to get there, even when you don't feel like doing them. And sometimes when you don't feel like doing them, you should still do them. Even if it's a little bit less or not as great. Now that depends on, on what you're doing and, and what you're, you know, who, who you're targeting and, and who that affects, right? When it comes to a workout, if you don't feel like doing a workout, you don't have to do your full workout. You can modify it, shorten it. Doing something is always better than nothing. Um, when it comes to other things, like maybe you have a goal for your relationships with your loved one or your kids or whatever, whoever it may be, you know, you don't want to half-ass that. You want to put in full effort as best as you can. So, but even when you don't feel like doing something, go ahead and do that because that's going to help you again, stay consistent and get to that goal. And I think one thing that can be really helpful with this is breaking things down and starting off really small. You don't want to go cold turkey a lot of times when it comes to doing certain things. Like let's say you're going to, again, cut out, we'll just say cut out sweets, okay? If you're used to having a sweet every single day, going cold turkey may work for some, but after a while you're going to want to have a sweet again because you're so used to doing it. So instead of saying, I'm going to cut out sweets completely, why don't you say, let's only have sweets three times a week instead of cutting it out completely. So you basically halved it. So you're still giving your body something that you're used to and you're you're not setting yourself up for failure because one of the biggest things that can happen is you set these huge expectations that you want to achieve and do, and that's your goal. And you want to go from zero to a hundred like that. Unfortunately, that's one of the quickest ways to failure as well, because you're not going to see results or you feel like you're just going to want to give up right away because you're not seeing results that quickly. And you're just going to say, well, screw it. I'm not seeing results. This obviously isn't working. And then you fall back into the old habits and then they just compound and snowball over time. And then you're back in the same spot that when you started, instead of just saying, let me just cut out one to two or three sweets a week and then let's see how that goes, right? Now, there are different ways. That's just an example. Um, But that is another thing to do is start off really small. And let's say you just want to start working out a little bit more or you want to be able to do 100 push-ups a day you have to start off with one push-up, okay? Just starting off with one push-up, especially if you're not doing any push-ups, start with one. And then just do one every single day. That's it. You'll start to realize that over time, you'll be able to do more. And so instead of doing one, you'll be like, all right, well, I'm already doing one. Maybe let's do five, right? And then over time, that continues to build and build like a snowball. And then an avalanche will occur, But again, you can't go from doing zero push-ups to 100 push-ups in a day 
let alone probably even a week, right? So it's going to take time, but it's just that consistency over time. And another thing that I have found that can be really helpful when having those small goals is is writing things down. So write down your small goals. Have a checklist for the day. If your goal is to you know, do one push-up every day or read a page of one book every day or reach out to one friend every day to just say hello, have a checklist every single day and be, get yourself into a habit of looking at that checklist in the morning and checking things off as you go or by midday saying like, okay, I did my push-up, I did my one page, I reached out to one friend and check them off. And then by the time the end of the night comes, Look at that checklist, and if it's not done, go ahead and do it. How hard is it to read one page of a book, or how hard is it to read, uh, I just said read one page of a book, or do one push-up, right? Now, reaching out to one friend if you're going to bed and it's 10 or 11 o'clock at night may be a little late, but you can still send that text message or an email or something like that to reach out to them and to say that you did that, and yeah, they may not write they may not reply immediately because they may be already asleep, right? But they'll see it eventually when they wake up or, you know, whenever. And then they may reply to you at that point. But you still checked it off the list. And doing these things day in and day out will create that daily habit till it just becomes kind of, you know, like clockwork. That's what happens when you get into a car and drive, right? You don't get into a car and do all of these certain things and say, okay, I have to put my seatbelt on. Let me adjust the mirror and make sure that's okay. Let me adjust the seat and make sure that's okay. Is everything in place? No, you don't do that because you probably started to do that when you first were driving because you were new to it, you were learning, and you were trying to figure out and build that habit of getting into a car and driving. Now most of us who are adults get right into the car And we do those things inherently, but we don't think about them as much as we did when we first started to drive because they're second nature now at this point. Same thing happens when you're driving to and from work. If you've been working in the same place for a while, you may come across to the point of saying like, I don't even remember driving all the way home. You were there and alert and driving, but everything has become so second nature because you do it so often and it's so ritualistic to your brain and your subconscious, you kind of just zone all of that out while you're doing it. It's kind of scary when you do think about it that, you know, you just drove maybe 30 minutes from one place to one to another and you don't remember any of it, but you got there safe and sound, right? Um, But that's what happens when things become automatic in our brain and our subconscious. So if you can build that habit to do those things Things will build and it, it will become a habit and you won't even have to look at your checklist anymore because it's just going to happen. You're going to do it automatically. It's going to be something that's in your kind of hardwiring in your brain. And when you don't do it, you're going to feel weird and off. Just like I'm, I'm so used to working out. If I don't work out or if I miss two days in a row of doing some sort of active anything, I feel my body feels weird. I, I feel off and something doesn't feel right with me. It's because I've been working out for years and I've been relatively consistent with it. Again, there have been times where I I have not been consistent, but I have been relatively consistent to the point of where, you know, again, just having two days off 
makes me and my body feel weird. Like I'm something is not right and I have to work out and then all is right with the world again. And that's just me. Uh, But that's again, just that consistency over time. And then one of the last things as well, well, in addition to that, before we get to the last point is another thing that you can do is see how you're checking things off. If you have like your standard calendar or maybe you track it in an app, there are apps that track those things in terms of building habits. They'll let you know the streak that you're on, right? And so once you continue to see like, man, we're going to use the example of an old calendar here, you're going to exit off, right? And as you're looking at that calendar, you're going to go, wow, look at all those X's that are in a row. That's two whole weeks of X's, meaning that you did all of your tasks. You don't want to break that that streak there, right? You want to you want to fill in that next X. You don't want to ruin that, especially if it's something else that people can see. Or again, you're going to talk back with your accountability partner about this, and you don't want to have those missing X's. So that could just be another little tip that can help you uh, really like or not like, but help you stay consistent with your goals if if that's something that you would like to do. Again, for me, that doesn't matter too much. I do like seeing like I've been on a streak, but even when I break the streak, I just go, whatever, it's fine. Um, or, you know, I did it and sometimes I use apps for this and I just forgot to to do that. And again, it's it shows that it's you broke your streak, but in reality, you didn't. Anyway, for me, that doesn't work. But for some people, that's really helpful. And I just wanted to make that as another tip. And then lastly... This is really hard, something that I definitely struggle with, especially out on the golf course, and we'll talk about examples for this. Uh, I'm reading a book right now called The Fearless Mind by Craig Manning. He's a sports psychologist, and it's it's a great book. I just started. I'm only, I don't like 30 to 40 pages in. I think it's wonderful. If It's all about basically achieving peak performance has to do with more so the mind and being able to learn about the mind and how that plays a role in our performance, basically, whether that's on or off the golf course, right? And so one of the things that he talks about is becoming more task-oriented versus outcome-oriented. Now, this can be really hard, especially as a golfer, right? We're so attached to the outcome, Because the outcome is getting the ball in the hole and having the lowest score possible. And those are great goals. Same thing happens when most people want to lose weight, right? They want to weigh, we'll just use an arbitrary number, 150 pounds. Now that's the goal. However, when we attach ourselves to the outcome, it can become really frustrating and very easy for our emotions to come into play and affect how we do towards achieving that goal. Meaning, okay, your, let's say your goal is to shoot par on the front nine. If you're tracking your score and you're playing and you realize you're five over par come, you know, by the time you're done the front nine, and now you got to play the back nine, well, now you're thinking in your head, I've already failed. My outcome 
is not good. I didn't achieve my outcome. Now my goal for the back nine is already going to be affected by what I did on the front nine, which is obviously not true. You haven't even gone on to the back nine just yet. And those emotions of maybe anger or anxiety, and now you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders is going to affect how you play the back nine versus if your goals were to be more task-oriented, knowing that they're going to lead up to you shooting par on the front nine or the back nine or whatever your goal may be, right? If your goals are more task-oriented of saying, every single shot, I'm going to go through my routine, my setup routine, make sure that everything is ready to go, and just execute the shot no matter what happens, okay? Because when we focus on those things that are task-oriented, same thing goes with putting. Let's say your goal was to not have any three putts in a round. Anytime, even if you hit every single putt in the center of the face of the putter, you read the right line, you hit it with the right speed, that doesn't guarantee that the ball is always going to drop into the hole. There are things that are out of our control once you hit that ball, right? The way it bounces, if it rolls over a grain of sand, or if there's a gust of wind that comes by, any of those things are out of our control. Or if, you know, someone decides to talk in the middle of your backswing, but you did everything right. Even if you did all of those things correctly, that doesn't mean or guarantee that the ball is going to drop into the hole. But you have to be satisfied knowing that you did everything the best that you could, And that was the outcome. And you can't be tied to that outcome. And again, I know as a golfer, that's really hard because when you do all of those things, you're expecting the ball to go into the hole and, you know, result in a birdie or a par or whatever it may be, right? Something good, hopefully. And it's really hard to to not tie ourselves to that outcome because that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking to to birdie a hole. We're looking to, to par a hole. Obviously, we're not looking to bogey or double bogey. Again, that all depends on the context of the situation, the environment, right? But if we can say, I did everything the best that I could on that hole, and you don't tie yourself to the outcome, you're going to forget about all of those things, and you're going to feel really good because you did everything that you could do, everything you knew that was correct and right. You did it, and you know that that was just a weird, a weird, something weird happened, right? And you're just going to continue to stay on your process and whatever that may be and do it on the next hole. And eventually, the more that you stick with that, if you have a good process and all those things are worked out, it's going to work out for you on the next hole. And maybe it doesn't, right? But the next hole, the more that you do this, the more consistent you will be. Hopefully you can see that when you tie yourself to the outcome, it's very easy for you to become frustrated, angry, anxious, all of those things, and your performance can go down really quickly, really fast versus staying on task and just saying, again, I'm going to work on my setup. I'm going to read the line. I'm going to aim correctly. My grip is right. I'm doing all these things. My setup is good. My alignment is correct. And here we go. I'm going to make the swing and that's it. Whatever happens, happens, right? We can't affect anything 
after you have hit the ball, but you're in control of absolutely everything before you do. So making sure that you are more task oriented. And I'll relate this to one more, I'll say fitness thing that people tend to struggle with, which again, typically most people's goals have to do around weight loss. Although I'm well aware that that's not everyone's goal or case, but a lot of people want to lose weight, right? Or at least lose body fat. We'll say that. Now, if your goal is to lose body fat, there are things that you should be doing to get there. Those tasks are, say, eating a specific amount of protein a day and eating a specific amount of carbs and eating a specific amount of fats. And you know that if you calculated this correctly or had a coach calculate this correctly for you, that will equal X amount of calories, which in theory should technically be a little less than maintenance calories, maintenance calories being where you would maintain the same weight if you just ate those calories day in and day out, you would weigh relatively the same and your body composition wouldn't relatively change either. So let's say you're eating a little less than maintenance calories to help you lose some weight, right? We'll just say again, we're aiming for more fat here and or that's the goal is fat loss. And you had a coach calculate all your macros, again, being proteins, fats, and carbs. And you know that if you hit those, those will get you to that kind of fat loss calorie goal. And over time, that will result in your weight loss. However, most people tend to focus on the number on the scale. And again, that doesn't change consistently as much as you'd like it to. And there are lots of factors that feed into what that number is on the scale, right? But if you stay task oriented and hit those goals as, or hit those tasks as goals, you will eventually reach your goal of losing body fat and losing weight. But if you're mainly only focused on losing weight and that number on the scale, and you're not focused on those tasks to get you there, it's going to be really hard for you to get there. And you're going to lose sight of what you should be doing. And again, when the scale doesn't reflect how you think you're doing, you're going to become angry, frustrated, anxious, and things may spiral out of control really quickly when if instead of looking at the outcome on the scale, you were more focused on the task of, again, eating the correct amount of protein, eating the correct amount of carbs, and eating the correct amount of fats for you day in and day out, just know that when you do that, those things will get you to your goal. Now, that always doesn't work because the body is different, and that's just this specific example. That's why, again, having a coach and making adjustments as needed is always important, especially when you're doing something like that. But, again, hopefully... Hopefully you can see the importance of focusing on a task to achieve your goal and not focusing on the outcome to achieve your goal is what's most important and can really help you again stay consistent because again, it can be really easy to get off track and frustrated and angry when you're more focused on the outcome versus the task. And that is basically my tips on staying consistent and Those are just some things that have been helpful for me. Again, I'm not perfect with all of them, 
but those are what I have found to be very helpful when it comes to staying consistent and building habits and trying to achieve my goals. Just know that you, when you are trying to achieve your goals, that it's not a straight line upwards towards success and achievement, basically. You're going to have days, again, where you don't feel like doing things. You're going to have points where you feel like you're going away from your goal or you're not making as much progress. And that's what it is, basically. But we pretty much want our consistency to result in what looks like the stock market over time, right? If you look at the stock market over time, it's real low. It has dips and valleys. But over time, it generally goes upwards, right? That's kind of what progress looks like. And it's going to take some time. But the key to all of that and making progress over time is staying consistent no matter what. Even if it's a little bit or a lot, and you're going to go in and out of how much you're going to be able to put in and out of all of those things. But if you stay consistent and do even just the tiniest bit every single day, that's going to be better than doing absolutely nothing. So again, hopefully you take some of these uh, tips, things that have been really helpful for me um, when it comes to staying consistent and working towards my goals And hopefully they will be helpful in helping you reach towards your goals. Um, If this episode was helpful or resonated with you, please let me know. Um, Again, I find this to be a obviously a very one-way channel as it's a podcast and there's no direct communication uh, between us. Um, So please let me know. Shoot me a message on Instagram, on Facebook, or you can shoot me an email. Any of those things would be great. Or, you know, leave it in the review for, for the podcast. If, if this, again, episode resonated with you and was helpful, please share this. I think that would be great. And some other things that would, again, just really help out the podcast, if you haven't done so already, is subscribe. And just take the time to rate and review the show. Um, that just, again, really helps out the podcast itself and just helps it be seen so we can help more people live their best life on and off the golf course, which is, again, all that I'm really trying to do and help, help people do. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening to this. I know I already thanked everyone earlier in the episode, um, but I, I feel like I can't say it enough. Thank you so much for downloading and taking the time out of your day to listen to me just yammer into a mic. Um, I'm working on getting some more podcast guests on and, um, Andrew and myself are probably going to do a little series on kind of golf fitness for the older golfer. And we will be doing those episodes sometime soon as well. Just trying to get all everyone's schedules all lined up and whatnot. But thank you so much for being a subscriber and listening. And let's officially wrap this episode up. Keep working hard. Keep striving for excellence in everything that you do. Because when you feel great, you golf great. Great.